This, this, this is, 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 is. Fight Disciples. I uh, hope you're well. It's Tuesday night. You're listening to Fight Disciples on Radio City Talk. Adam and Nick here as ever. Jack Catterall is with us in the studio right now. A man that's going to be taking over the uh, the 140s quite quickly, without any shadow of a doubt. How did it all start for you, man? As a, as a young lad, I'm sure that you were had pressures of maybe playing footy and various other stuff like that. Are you, are you just a general sporty dude or were you... No, it was always boxing. It was never football. I've never been interested in football, but it's always been a combat sport. And then since discovering the boxing gym, which was only a mile up the road, it made sense. I was 10 years old then and I've never looked back since. 10 years of age, man. Straight in. Chucking them Southpaw big left hands. <laughs> taking people out at 11 years of age. Was that encouraged from family members or was it just you that pursued it? How did how did it, like I say, how did all the, the, the journey of getting yourself stuck into the training aspect of it begin? Uh, I started wrestling and that was a drive over to Wigan, so it was quite far. And then I followed. I was 10 That's years old. That's unusual, isn't it? That's quite an yeah. American thing to do. I think it's more of a submission wrestling, was it? Like a compet- competitive wrestling? Uh, couldn't be the remember. I was quite yeah. young at the time. It wasn't it? like standing on the ring ropes. No, and, no, you it know, was... Uh, giving it the Hulk, ultimate warrior. Giving it to Hulk Hogan, <laughs> ripping your T-shirt off. No, but like collegiate wrestling from... Yeah, like a, a, lot like of a MMA roman wrestling or yeah, something yeah. like yeah. that. Like that type of thing. Like a grappling, was it? Yeah, a lot of grappling. Uh, and I loved it, but it was just the trek over to Wigan. Yeah. A couple of nights a week and then... When I was 10, I was allowed to go. That was the age then, at right. the boxing gym. And it was just up the road, so to finish school and go straight to the gym. What was the buzz? What was, what was the thing? Because we speak to so many fighters on this show, and there's always that one thing that, whether it's the smell of the gym or whether it's the... <laughs> you know what I mean? Weird stuff, like or the, or the training regime or the camaraderie in the gym or just the feel of it in the bag or whatever it is. What was the thing for you that you thought, oh, this is a bit of me, this, I love a bit of this? So at the time, a lot of... Uh, it was a we live in a small town, Charlie, and a yeah, lot yeah. of people have been to this gym. So he's been there, your friend's been there, your dad's friend's been there, everybody's been there. So going down there at the time, lads were in and out all the time. So for me, it was like, I've stuck it out. He's been for two weeks, he's been for six months. I think, look, I've been here for a year. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. just the challenges of uh, of different fights coming up and the championships, and I always loved the challenges. So when did you start then competing? So at 10, you turn up, you, you, I don't know, you're a bit wet behind the ears first round, you know what I mean? Saying, I want to be yeah. a boxer, right? So somebody takes you on the bags, pads, gets you involved in the training regime. When did you start to compete? So I did 12 months training. I had my first fight when I was 11, up at Rivington Barn. Yeah, I got classic. beat and I was devastated. Uh, we ended up having four fights in total, me and the lad, Jordan Clean from Preston. Wow. You always remember the first one, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Everybody remembers the first one. Especially if you had four fights with them as well. Yeah, that's like the rubber match and one more. <laughs> and we ended up two apiece after that and then uh, just went on and on and never looked back, really. It's interesting how guys get involved at the start with because you sometimes we speak to guys that start really late. Yeah. I think we obviously get a lot of guys who come in the studio who are, you know, chasing world, like Jack is now, you know, he's, he's a win or two away from talking about world title belts and things like that. So it's, uh, and at this stage, it's it's like, oh, I'm after the world title belt. I want to fight in Vegas. I want to win money. I want to buy a Rolls Royce, you know, whatever it may be. I want to buy, I want to pay cash for, for a house or whatever. So it is, it's nice and refreshing to hear why they get into it in the first place. And yeah, yeah. Why was it boxing rather than, any other sport so did none of your like friends who you grown up with school friends none of them kind of stuck with it it was just came kind of became your own thing yeah it was always my own thing uh, a lot of friends have been to the gym but nobody really stuck at it and then uh, <clears throat> I was at college at the time still fighting 
And then it was at that position then, do I go and choose a career outside of boxing or do... What was the options? Come on, man. What was the options? So I was doing a public service course at Preston College. Yep. <clears throat> Did want to join the military police. But then there was a time, and at the time I'd been speaking to a few different trainers, and I thought, I've been boxing half my life. I said, it'd be stupid. I spoke to my family. I said, look, this is the plan. I'm going to give myself X amount of time, and I'm going to go for it 100 miles an hour. And I've never stopped since. That's the key thing, isn't it? If you're doing something, you, st- you don't dip your toes in. You get both feet in and you go in. And I think it's the key thing that you just said there is a very important thing. That support a family because some family members could resist, especially a combat sport. It could be quite difficult for mums in particular or dads to say, oh, I don't want my boy to be doing things like that. But they obviously see you loving it. You absolutely yeah. have your face must light up or something when you're when you doing it. Your enthusiasm for going to the training and they see how dedicated you are. That's obviously a key factor. Yeah, it's brilliant. I've got, I come from seven brothers and I've got a sister. So How many? Seven brothers. Catholic wow. family brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Respecting <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Catterall. <laughs> <laughs> so it says two of my brothers are still fighting amateur at the moment. So And they all come to the fights and that's what pushes me now, being able to, to show them away. And inspire, yeah. And hopefully one day to be able to look after them all. No, absolutely, man. So what about you in the uh, edge range then? Are you the top boy? I'm number two. You're number two down, are you? Yeah. So did you give a good hiding to the top one? Yeah, all the top ones had it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> got him, ain't you? You know what I mean? Pecking order. I just, you might have me on edge, son, but I've got you. Listen, I just I just feel sorry for the young lad that tries to take his young sister out on a date. Oh, mate, and it's all them brothers lined up at exactly. the house. Especially when they're all fighters like Exactly. That. No that chance. Absolutely bonkers, mate. Charlie, Charlie's a wonderful... I mean, I don't know. Have you ever been? Charlie, yeah, yeah. You need to get up there for a few beers, man. It's yeah, a great place. it is. It's a lot of roundabouts. There's a lot of roundabouts yeah, in Charlie. there's a lot of roundabouts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but some wonderful boozers in there as well. Well, obviously, which Jackie's not frequenting, but the likes of me, he's older dad, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> exactly. I can get myself in there and go and have a little bit of a crack. But the thing is about it being that, that small town, like me coming from Blackburn, I can understand that small town. They, they, they really get behind people from their own town and want them to become successful. At sports stars. For example, Chorley Football Club. I know you're not a football man, but Chorley Football Club being a non-league side, they have a real cult following in Chorley. Chorley people don't decide to go to watch Premier League football. They don't go to watch Blackburn Rovers, Preston North End. They go and watch Chorley. It's a Chorley thing. So you being a Chorley lad, you must see this when it comes to fighting out and you're doing your tickets and all this type of stuff. You must be in on day, knocking on the door, going, Jack, come on, son, I want a ticket for this because they get behind their own. No, it's brilliant. Whatever I thought, they've always travelled, even when I was amateur, up and down the country. Mm. And now we're fighting on, obviously, this next show's a, a massive show on BT Sports and they'll all be there and it makes me smile and think of all these people spending the hard-earned wages coming to watch me fight. Mm. It's hers. Night out in Manchester, that's what it is. That's what <laughs> yeah, it is. Exactly, you yeah. wait till you're fighting in Vegas, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Are we on the plane? Yeah, exactly. Are you chartering a jet for us, Jack? Come on, son. I've been supporting you since the amateurs. Come on. Get this laid on, lad. <laughs> Regarding your next steps now, because this is an exciting time. We've got April the 8th coming up. We mentioned right at the start of the show, this is the first one uh, for your promoter, Frank Warren, on BT Sports. It's a big night. We've obviously got the Terry Flanagan world title fight against Petrov on there, and we've got the two Liams. We're excited about that in Liverpool. Obviously, big uh, beefy fans, but taking on the Welshman, his most toughest fight, a great fight. But you're on there against uh, Mr. Gethman. Yep. Uh, defending your own belts. Yep. You don't look beyond, obviously, the fight that is right in front of you. Um, but surely now, with this new TV deal, with the way that Frank's talking and the way that he's moving um, in, in the boxing world, you must be thinking to yourself, 2017 can I just say, as I predicted, could be quite a huge year for you yourself. Massive year. 
you know, Frank's got a lot of dates to fill. And I'm at that stage in my career now where, God willing, to come through this next fight. There's a lot of fights to be made. Mm. The 140 is a healthy weight category. There's a lot of great fighters. So I know coming through this fight opens a lot of doors domestically and worldwide. Mm. There's a lot of fights to be made. Regarding, should we talk domestic first? Yeah, yeah. Because please, obviously yeah, recently yeah. we're pals of Derry Matthews, right? So Derry was in action, obviously, a couple of weekends ago against O'Hara Davis, a lad that, uh, let's just say, he's a bit brash. He gained a lot of respect from me, actually, in that particular fight, the way that he went about his business and the way that he dealt with it post-fight. Um, he's obviously in your weight category. Nick's mate, uh, Robbie Davis Jr. Yeah. He's obviously in that weight category as well. You've got Ricky Burns, who's world champion in that weight category. We've got a unification fight coming up this weekend, haven't we, with Idongo. Um, Josh Taylor, I mean, we could go on forever, right, <laughs> regarding it's, brilliant it's domestic yeah, guys in the £140 category. And your name is right in there, undefeated in this particular weight category. Are you 15 and all? 16 or 15? 17. 17, sorry, mate. All, yeah. I'm, I'm churning chur- chur- <laughs> them off. 17 and all at this moment in time. That must make you salivate, mate. Your mouth must be watering, thinking to yourself, I fancy a piece of this. Once I get through Gethin, these are the boys that I'm looking at. Even this fight that's coming up, I know <clears throat> Gethin's probably not with that bunch of names that you've put forward, but he's coming off a good win. Mm-hmm. He's had a good career. He's had a good career, yeah. and, uh, Can't wait to get my teeth stuck into this fight. But then after that, like I said, God willing, I get through this one. There's a lot of fights. You just named off probably six or seven. Mm. And I would love to get stuck into all them fights. And that's just domestic. And all those lads yeah. that we mentioned are, 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 are near enough that world level already. A, a similar level, yeah, exactly. And uh, that's that's crucial as well. I think sometimes you can overlook that and you can overlook how fighters' careers get stunted, certainly in the UK, if there isn't that talent pool in their own weight division. You know, you can be a world-class guy, but if you haven't got the right opponents around you, the right dance partners to make money, to generate interest, then your career will suffer in the long term, 100%. Or you can you can forever be fighting in this small pool, and then suddenly when you jump over to fight an American or you know an imported fighter who's world-class, it can be too much of a step up in class. Mm. What we've just pointed out here, the beauty of it is Jack is surrounded by, in this country, by five or six other guys who are all, you know, with a similar, at a similar stage in their careers, with similar aspirations, all young guys with, with a lot of talent. And it, it, it could be, you know, that this weight class could be the one that absolutely lights up for the UK in 2017. We know the heavyweight division belongs in the UK right now. We've got all the best heavyweights based out of the UK. But this weight class itself, it, you know, there's a real, there's half a dozen real strong derby fights that you could almost do. You could almost do like a Super Six style tournament. Mm. And these guys could make a fortune, toss a world title belt in there, pass it around a few times. Listen, you, know, you, you don't have to go to necessarily go to Las Vegas to, to break boxing. You don't have well, to. Well, hang on a minute. People from Jolie are after an holiday. Yeah, well, <laughs> they want to get a sell they, out there, son. I know eventually they want to. All right, get okay, over okay, there. okay. But okay. I just mean in the short term. <laughs> To, to have that level of competition around Jack is perfect for me. Couldn't wish for any more. You know, and don't get me wrong, when it comes to the bottom, we're, we want to see all the UK guys do well. We want to see all the UK guys win world titles. But everyone you've just mentioned then is in a real strong talent pool. They could all make a lot of money fighting each other with a couple of world title belts in there. Keep them on these shores and just keep going, right, okay, well, I'll fight you now and you fight him and I'll fight him and... That's what it's all about. The business, the fans would love it. I know mm. I'd buy into it and uh, it'd be great for the developments as well. Well, one of those uh, world belts, um, well, a couple of them world belts are in action this weekend. Uh, not this weekend, in week after you, actually, isn't it? It's yeah, April yeah. 15th that Ricky Burns is Ricky doing Burns. his fight against Idongo. 
Um, what do you make of that fight? I mean, for us, we just saw Idongo last time out with that haymaker of a punch and he became world champion. What do you make of where Ricky Burns is at, multiweight world champion, and this particular fight? Uh, like we said, we've only seen Adongo's last fight. I've not really seen anything apart from that. So mm. uh, Burns probably at the later stage of his career, but world champion, big unification fight. Can understand why he's taking a fight. Uh, be interesting to watch this fight. Obviously, Adongo uh, come off. Brilliant, was it a first-round knockout win? Trianoski, yeah, you know what I mean? Southpaw, Ranger, mm-hmm. uh, obviously packs a punch, so it'd be interesting to see how Burns deals with him. Would be. And then, obviously, I'm sure you're praying for Ricky Burns to come through that, so then you can say, hey, Ricky, I'm here, man. I'm ready for a little bit of a piece of that pie. 100%, obviously. <laughs> just just for Ricky to win it, another British fighter yeah, yeah. with a world title, but then, obviously, he's in my weight category, and I'd love to take that fight. Mm. Is that something that we talk about this all the time, Jack? About guys make take making the most of their opportunity. Now I know priority one for you is to be in the right frame of mind and the right physical shape to to do a number on on Martin Gethin. But in in the back of your mind, are you thinking, you know what? This is this is live on BT Sport. It's a massive audience. It's a big opportunity for me. After the doing number on Gethin, I'm going to call out Ricky Baines or I'm going to call out this guy. Is there anything that goes through your mind? I think I'm going to go in there with a plan and I'm going to, as soon as I won my fight, I'm going to go, I want that guy and put yourself in the mix. No, but probably I should do because we've seen that fight a couple of weeks ago, Daddy Matthews, and it all blew up on Twitter and mm. he got the fight. Yeah. The fight happened. So O'Hara Davis, maybe that's yeah. the way forward. I don't conduct myself that way, but I think I'm pretty selfish and I just focus on me. Yeah. So I'm thinking I beat Martin Geffen. Can get back in the gym, speak to Frank, speak to my manager, and see what's next. But like like we just said, there's a lot of fights to be made now, so I know there's not going to be a shortage shortage of opponents. I think right attitude to be fair, isn't it? Oh yeah, of course, a hundred percent. And um, you know, I think I think what you'll find is that a lot of a lot of boxers, a lot of pro boxers, you know, they're, they're like us, the, the salt of the earth lads. That's why we that's why we love talking about big yourself up, big yourself up, son. <laughs> Are you putting yourself in that mix? I'm just saying I'm a normal working class lad. That's all I'm saying. But uh, and I think we grow with that kind of respect. That was kind of like you know, you don't want to be calling people out and being too flamboyant, and you want to respect your opponents and respect everybody else. And I, I, I totally buy into that, and I think that does work. But then. You know, O'Hara Davis, he won the risk of upsetting a few people and losing a few fans, but he got the fight he wanted. Tony Bellew is chalk and cheese in people's eyes. They either love them or they hate him, but he gets the fights he wants. He makes a lot of money. And I think, you know, Jack knows there's opportunities out there and potentially calling someone out, saying, I want Ricky Burns next. A week before Ricky Burns' fight is not going to do you any harm whatsoever. It might Ricky Burns fans might turn on you a little bit, but all the mess, all the press men gives them something to write about, gives us guys something to get excited about. Oh, Jack Caswell's just done a number. Now he wants Ricky Burns. The week before the Ricky Burns fight, the opportunity is knocking, my friend. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'd love that Ricky Burns fight next, but I just know in life and in boxing, especially boxing, nothing straightforward and mm. he's mandatory and this changes. He has a different promoter, different, different TV promoter, deal. So yeah, I yeah. think yeah. right now focus on my fight, but of course, if that fight could be ne- made next, that'd be massive. This, 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 is, is, Fight Disciples. Jack Catterall is with us. Uh, in the studio and uh, obviously being an extremely talented boxer fighting at the 140 pound category 
Um, he has ventured out as a businessman into uh, other uh, realms. We've uh, recently spoke to Anthony Crawler about his bobble hat uh, that he is uh, is releasing into the world. But Jack, obviously, he's uh, he's got the brains to move into the journalism world. That's right. He's got himself <laughs> he's got himself a new uh, column. I mean, yeah, in the old Shirley Guardian, my yeah, friend. Indeed. What's going on with that? Eh? Uh, the opportunity to come up to take a, a column. I think it's once a fortnight. Some yeah, of the yeah. First ones in there today. Beautiful. Not, not read it back yet, but... Uh, All unboxing, or is it just general the life and times of Jack Catterall? Uh, this first one was just a little introduction, really, about myself and the boxing, but uh, yeah, yeah. I think in the future it can be about local events, local news, boxing, hey. everything. Brilliant. You watch your job, Sunshine. Know, you yeah, watch exactly. your job. The lad's coming for your gig, mate. He's, it, all, he's all over, is it, the boy, yeah? That's what this game's all about, isn't it? You've got to make yourself as accessible and as open to everybody. And, and that's a great thing. You know, the people at Chorley will obviously buzz off that. And, you know, Jack obviously realises that he's, that's basically a, you know, that's, that's your soapbox to your ticket sales, you know, to your core fan base. So how, how, how do you find the media? aspect of uh, of your life because obviously traditionally you just you, you're a fighter you like to get in there and you do your thing but there is another a- aspect that comes along with it this part of the job so you've obviously you've got to speak you've got to do your interviews and go to places it's uh helps to promote the fights but for me kind of uh don't look at it too much mm. uh one minute they can all be this is that is the next word this that and then one bad move uh, he's a bad guy he's a shit fighter they can yeah, change yeah. in an instant, so I think just take it with a pinch of salt uh, and just be yourself. Absolutely, mate. I think he's doing all right with the media so far. Yeah, brilliant, of course. Yeah, and you know, obviously Jack understands. He's he's an intelligent lad. He sees the bigger picture, and you know, this game at the end of the day, it's show business at the end of the day, and you've got to be able to sell a fight. And uh, you know, he also realizes that there's there's an opportunity there to like like coming on like coming on our show here. It's an opportunity. Well, it's to chosen wisely. It's chosen wisely. More to come on our show, man. Yeah. Well, he knows he's got a massive fan base in Liverpool everywhere. Anyway, yeah. the only thing we don't want is to fight any more Liverpool boxers because <laughs> he, he wipes the floor with them. But uh, but yeah, he's got a massive fan base here anyway. So and that fan base will grow even further because obviously he's on the same card as Beefy on April the eighth, and there'll be a massive Liverpool contingent over in yeah. uh, the arena at the weekend, and maybe even a massive contingent as well from Wales. So that, you know what I mean. There's going to be more eyes on on what you do on that particular date, mate. Um, obviously, you're right in the thick of training camp at this moment in time, sorting out the nutrition aspects and all that type of stuff. And we do like people that do take a little bit of a different angle with their training. I know you're a yoga man. You like a little bit of yoga. I like wo- yoga. <laughs> yoga. <laughs> we introduced it uh, last year, twice a week. So it's the Bikram yoga, which is in the hot room. Wow, um, man. Serious. I, I get that peace of mind from the, not only that, I'm like a plank of wood, so it helps me, you know, just stretch out all the muscles out. Yeah, I enjoy it. So you use it for, obviously, from a physical aspect, but from for a mental aspect as well. You you get in there for a little bit of meditation, just to chill out, zen out, away from the busyness. Yeah, it's uh, ninety minute long. Nobody speaks. Ninety minutes in the hot room. Plus hot stretching day. in the hot room. That's serious, yeah. that kid. It is, yeah. yeah you feel good, huh? and when I've been to yoga, when I go to bed that night, they're the best night's sleep I have after yoga. Really. Wow. Get yourself on that. Boga's, uh, I'm <laughs> at it now as well. Boga. Boga now. Uh, yoga just seems to be getting huge with fighters at the moment. There's so They're many fighters in the US that are, are doing it as well, especially the Bikram type stuff as well. Um, obviously, there's a lot of mixed martial artists that do because you know it's a lot of stretching. It helps them stretch out the legs and everything Supplements, else as well. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, interesting. Are, are you... 
kind of switched on to that type of thing? Do you work with a sports psychologist as well, Jack? Or have you got no need for that this time, kind of moment in time? Or have you got a nutritionist on board now? How how far along have you gone with it? Yeah, I've got a good network of people. So I've got a nutritionist. Uh, he does all my diet plans and the food and the supplements. And obviously I've got my boxing coach. I've also got a separate strength and conditioning coach. And I've got a good friend who's a sports scientist who also talks to me mm-hmm. for the mental aspects as well, just to keep me sane. Wow. It's a lonely sport, isn't it? And that's probably, for me, probably, obviously, you have the physical aspect. You've got to have the talent as well. But what goes on between your ears is, for me, the the killer between winning and losing sometimes. You know what I mean? Because in a tough, tough fight, when you go in, when you have to go to the well, it's there's only you that can sort that out. Nobody else can sort that out for you. And you've got to be able to tell yourself what you've got to go and through. I've seen it with many of fighters, fighters in the gyms that look world-class who are destined for big things, but when the bright lights are on and they're under the pressure, then sometimes it falls apart. So, no, it's interesting. Mm. Are you a fighter, Jack, that, you know, when asked, you'll say, oh, I don't get nervous. I, I, I'm not a nervous person. Or do you, do you get nervous, but you've just managed to control your nerves, would you say? Yeah, I think it's a thing over time. You'd be lying if you said you weren't nervous on fight day. I think that's what gives me the killer instinct. Them nerves are losing uh, in the fight. That's what brings out the inner beast in me. But I was probably more nervous walking up here to come on the radio show today <laughs> than it would be fight night. Yeah, uh, It's different for everybody. Yeah, it's because you, because you feel at home doing what you're doing. Yeah. This is, let's say, a little bit alien to you. But when you're in the ring, you feel very, very comfortable doing what you're doing. Yeah, there's the pressures of fight week. and uh, But when it's when it's all done, I think... When you walk into that ring, that's when I feel like a different person. Everything switches off, then you don't hear the, the audience, all the talking's done, and that's when you can get down to business. I was going to say that. Do you? Because I asked a few fighters this, whether they be in mixed martial arts or whether in boxing. When the first bell goes, can you hear the crowd? Uh, yeah, you can hear you can hear things if you get that that person ringside who's had too, a few too many beers. <laughs> Knock him out! <laughs> Hit him! Hit him. That's the, that's the best one at ringside. Isn't it? Hit, him. Hit him. Yeah, yeah. All right, that. that's a good idea. Yeah, Thanks, yeah. mate. Yeah. I think I'm going to take that on board. Incredible advice. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, um, before we started the show, we were talking about, obviously, your experiences um, sparring some of the greats. Um, and um, when we say greats, probably... We mean of, the greats. We mean the greats, yeah? yeah. So, shall we talk Floyd Mayweather? Let's go there first of all, shall we? Yeah, uh, because what a phenomenal you... fighter. Uh, I was lucky, lucky enough to get the opportunity when he got the Manny Pacquiao fight. And I did uh, six weeks sparring in Vegas with him. And it was like a scholarship. It was brilliant being in the gym, sparring. Not only him being in the gym, but the, the world-class fighters that fight out of his gym as well, being able to watch them train and spar. Mm-hmm. Just picking up little bits of things from different gyms. So you're in Vegas. You, so you, you're living in Vegas for six weeks. Yeah, we would go. We would go bonkers. I was, yeah, I was yeah. going to swear then, but we would. We would go absolutely bonkers. We love Vegas, but six days. Six we, days is enough. We would go crazy. After six, six weeks after six days in Vegas, I'm pulling my hair out. But imagine to being, do six weeks must have been but, but, tough. But, but imagine but, but doing six that, weeks and having to abstain. That's even yeah, worse. Yeah, it's exactly, there. It's tempting yeah. you. It's a carrot dangling in front of your face yeah. and he's got to train. Come he's got to do his thing. Come and play poker. Come yeah. and, you know, do this and do that. And, Poor he, and he's training. So mm. how did it work with Mayweather? Did you, you know, did you spar him every day for six weeks? Did, were you Because you hear stories about Mayweather's gym where they're, you know, the whole team turns up and then they just stand around all day waiting for Floyd to turn up. As, you know, yeah. what was the experience like? So we got told to be in the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, three o'clock, be ready. 
Aspiring three p.m. because he's a not he's nocturnal, Floyd, isn't he? He he does so everything later on. So you afternoon into the early morning, yeah. Yeah, you you run his time schedule, so <laughs> he might have a lie in, or he might have been training throughout the night. So that was the plan. Some days he would uh, he wouldn't turn in, and you were told to just finish your workout and leave. But that was the that was the plan when we got there. Three times a week, be in the gym at such a time. Okay, and he'd roll in and and pick out the sparring partners he wanted for that day. What's it like being in the ring with him, sharing it? The first time, so first time you're there. You've I don't know. You've been working out on the bag. You've been doing a little bit here, there, and everywhere on the pads and stuff like that on the speedball. Floyd goes, "We'll go with you. We'll go with you, I'm the A side. You're the B side. Yeah, you're the A side. Yeah, I'm the A side. You're the B side. Yeah, that's what he'll do. Yeah, so he calls you over. What's that feeling like first time round? Yeah, because because Pacquiao. How long Pacquiao now? For three years ago, two years ago. So you'd have been early twenties then, yeah. So yeah, like 21. Wow. Come on, man. Tell me what that feeling's like. Crazy. A little old guy come over. His name was Bob. He says, uh, you're in. And I just looked to the other side of the ring. Hey, Catterall, you're in, son. <laughs> <laughs> and I seen Floyd at the other side. He was like, I think there was about 32 people all working on him. Some feeding him sweets. Some <laughs> dabbing his head with towels. And I just seen his eyes. Kept looking through the other side of the ropes thinking... So I was ready for sparring, I had my headgear on, climbed in the ring. As I climbed in the ring, it was like a swarm of people all come to the ring. There must have been two, three hundred people and it was all banging on the on the ring. The dog doing, the dog house. Wow. They were doing like a Floyd chant. And then Floyd got in the ring, he was like Isn't that mad? That's crazy. Isn't that and, mad? and Jack's twenty one. <laughs> first time first time against the pound for pound best. Floydy, Floydy, Floydy. And he's going, I'm gonna check his head off. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking at the time, Jack? Were you thinking because it must be weird sparring someone like Floyd because do you try and take his head off? Are you just trying to live with him? You know, what was your mentality at that point? Were you thinking, what am I doing here? Yeah, so I, I knew I was going out there sparring him, so I had time to think about it. And I thought, well, I'm going out there. It's going to be great for me, great opportunity to learn. But I can't put him on a pedestal, although he is one of the greatest boxers of all time. I, I couldn't go in there with that mentality. <clears throat> Outside, I know that it had been like, put me to one side, there's other fighters out there. So yeah, yeah. I knew I had to... Put it on him. To put it on him, mm. to get the best out of him so he could go into his next fight and win. So I think after the after the first minute or so, and I, I caught him with a counter right hook and he adjusted his head guard and then I could see it in his face and it's like, game on then, game on. Wow, <laughs> brilliant. So how long did you get then? So Because obviously there's guys coming in, coming out, he changes those sparring partners up. So first session, what is it? How many did you do? How many rounds did you do? I think that first day that I sparred him, we did three rounds. Yeah. Two of the rounds. You put it You put it on him. You won, did you? You won, you won, you won it. Yeah, I felt good. I felt real good. And then I think it was uh, round three. Brilliant. And the clock never stopped. I think it went on nine minutes. It was like a long long time in the ring. There was a guy in the ring with a stopwatch and he kept saying time. Floyd was like, Shun him off. <laughs> keep going, keep going. I think he could see. I'd only been in Vegas a week, and I got allergies because of the dust and the heat. And I was. And I was he's making you do a nine-minute round. I think he's seen that. He's like, probably like me, bit of a uh, that killer instinct. So yeah, like, workhorse. No, I'm going to yeah. try and go for it. Yeah, but yeah, it was good. A nine-minute round. Amazing. That's that whether you hear these kind of stories out of Mayweather's gym, don't you know? That's what they do. It's, it's bonkers, isn't it? it? It is a, a bonkers environment. But I bet you those three rounds and that third round, which was a nine-minute round, that was what guaranteed your six weeks' work. Yeah. The fact that you did that with him meant that he kept Jack on for six, the full six weeks. Because you initially said you were only going to go out there for a week or two. Yeah, you end up staying for the full. Out and 
they went out there with Jamie Cox, but when, when he got there, they looked at him and they said, he's too big. Too big, yeah. Which was understandable. He was quite a big he's fighter. Big boy, yeah, 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 so, no, I got that first day of work and then, uh, luckily enough, they kept us in there. Amazing. And then off the back of that, then you move on to uh, another lad that will probably go down in the Hall of Fame <laughs> um, and talked about the pound for pound greats, uh, the Mexican ginger that is Canelo, my friend. How does that call come about? Yeah, these two experiences were like a world apart, so from being in Vegas in Floyd's gym, hundreds of people about every day, cameras everywhere. Mm. Well, not on sparring days. The big heavy men take all the phones off everybody. On the big heavy men. <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah, so I went and sparred Alvarez and one experience. That was uh, in San Diego in his, I think it was his house that he was living in, that he's got there, nice and quiet, three or four people about. Wow. It was like a total different experience, but obviously once again, in the ring to do a job he was preparing for the Kirkland fight. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, obviously being a southpaw, got that work with him, being uh, given the angles and the speed, and I think they appreciated it. I managed to get two weeks' work out there as well. That's fantastic, man. How did you get on with the language barrier? Because he's uh, very Mexican. Yeah, didn't speak much. Did he not speak any Chorley? Did he like not speak anything. the Chorley drum? <laughs> 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 yeah, just boxing things, really, so yeah, it yeah. weren't that hard to... But really, I think one day on the way to the gym, uh, I was in my own little world looking out the windows and being, it was in San Diego, it was red hot, and they put the, the heated seats on me, <laughs> trying to mess with me before sparring. <laughs> that's, again, that's an amazing experience. But by doing that, by being in with two of the greatest on the planet right now, let's be straight, they are. You never be intimidated by no, an opponent. I was going to say, what does that do for your now mentality going into any fight that you have? And two, what does it do for your self-belief of where you can get to world level-wise? The confidence I gained was massive, but I won't live off that confidence. I know that everybody poses a different threat. So when I come home, I could have thought I were King Kong and getting in the ring with anybody, but I know that's not the case. So you've got to stay grounded and keep working hard because everybody poses a different threat. Mm. When you were, when you were around Canelo and, and Mayweather as well, obviously people put them on the pedestal, they're pound for pound greats and as you say, future Hall of Famers and all that. But, you know, what was their work ethic like? Were they, you know, did they work harder? You always kind of think yeah, that you, he's that good because he works harder than anybody else. Yeah, you can see it when you're in the gym with, with Floyd and Canelo, you can understand why they've achieved what they've achieved and, uh, you see the work that they're putting in when he'd finished sparring, he'd be hitting the bags, doing the skipping, the shadow. But and it just seemed like for everywhere training, when he did on the days that we sparred and he finished his workout after they went on for ages, and we know that later that night he'd be back in the gym again. And he's lived that life to achieve what he's got. Multi weight world champions, man. That's what it is, isn't it? And that's yeah. the dream. That's the dream. That's what everybody wants to uh, uh, achieve. Uh, when they set out on this career, when they turn up at 10 years of age, it's uh, Charlie ABC, mate, chucking it around. <laughs> That's what it is, isn't it? Listen, bro, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to have you in uh, our studio tonight. We wish you all the best. Um, Can't with, wait for Manchester. It's with April the 8th. Night, yeah. It's going to be a great night. A great card to be involved with. A fantastic night for uh, Frank and BT Sport. Um, and we say this on, we've said this a lot, really, about boxing. For for the last three to four years, and this is no disrespect to anybody at Sky or, or uh, Eddie because we love what they've done and they've uh, changed the landscape of boxing, but it always helps to have more broadcasters and more promoters on primetime um, big TV networks. And obviously with what Frank's doing with BT Sport, uh, this is going to be amazing. It really is going to be amazing. Um, and April the 8th is when it all gets underway. And there's quite a lot of cards, as you pointed out earlier on, um, that are open 
this year yeah. for you to get your backside back on there. You know what I mean? Obviously, you do a job on Martin Gethin. Who knows? We might see you out in, uh, might see you out in Leeds. We might see you out in Cardiff. We might <laughs> see you travelling the country doing your doing your thing, and more fans get to see uh, your fantastic talent. And obviously, obviously, people are going to be now uh, logging on to uh, Charlie Guardian website for. Uh, for the, the column. For the column and the Dorset Tons. I will. I need to know what the threat. What's he up to? Coming behind me. What yeah? is Jack Catterall up to today? He's, uh, he's recommending uh, various kebab shops in Chorley or whatever <laughs> it may be. He's giving you a tour of the roundabouts. My favourite Chorley chippy. <laughs> that could be the thing. <laughs> There's a column for in you a few there. Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> after the fight. Yeah, after, after the, the fight. fight. <laughs> he'll be there. Free steak puddings. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening to us. If you missed any part of it, if you've only just tuned in, um, this will be available as a download via our website in the morning, fightdisciples.com. Make sure you get on there and have a little bit of a nosy in. Uh, we've just gone through a little bit of life and times with uh, Jack Catterall on his rise to hopefully becoming a world champion at £140. And who knows? £147. Why not? £154. Yeah. £160. Why not? Let's not rule it all out, man. You know what I mean? Exactly. Them chips in Chorley, they can put some weight on. We can get you there, mate. We can get you up to £160. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll catch you next week. You've got a special next week. Tell them about it. Teddy Matthews special next week. Yeah, i got Teddy in the studio. We're going to do a one-hour recap of his entire career. And we'll also have a little look towards the crawler Linares rematch the following weekend. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.